Welcome to episode 706 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 706 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? You're pretty good, Bevan, and you? You're going to brighten up my life here. Bit of the bright Iron Talk top. It's got a fair amount of sweat pounding through it right now. You've even got the forehead sweating, mate. Forehead. It's a bloody decent climb up to your place. <laughs> uh, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Galactic Buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a couple. Jombo. We have got Christopher Little J Swain. And we've got Ben Popeye Moore. And Peter the Bionic Man Mills. And those are some pretty good nicknames. If you want to become a patron of the show, just go www.imtalk.me. Team, in this week's show, we've got news. We've got Hot Topic of the Week. We've got a new feature. John's Two Minute Research Corner. So we call it half Ass Corner. Yep, yep, we could do that. Or we could call it John's two-minute research. <laughs> okay, uh, we've got some interviews from what, what I've challenged Jornica. We have, so I chatted to a number of people post-race. Um, the problem with a half iron man is... They come and go. They come and go. Yeah. So I, I interviewed um, Mike Phillips and Matt Burton, who were second and third. By the time I'd done them, the others all disappeared. So uh, then I interviewed a few of the female athletes. Uh, so you'll hear from them later on. Uh, questions and answers at the end. Winger of the week as well. So let's get into it. Challenge Wanaka was pretty much the big race that happened this weekend. Uh, interesting race in both the males and female race. It did not go to script, really. It no. was quite bizarre. So I was down there on the sidelines watching, and I was expecting it to be kind of a Braden Curry versus Joe Skipper race in the before, men's. Before we actually get into the men's race, I haven't been there since the falls disappeared. Have you been there since the falls disappeared? Yeah. yeah. What's it like yeah. now? Um, it's a good half Ironman. Yep. You know, it's, um, Has it lost anything, or is it? do you feel it's a better event? Uh, oh no, people definitely feel like it's lost something, um, yeah. but at the same time, the last year they had the full, it was only 100 odd people doing yeah. it, so it was pretty lonely going out there uh, towards the end. So so what uh, time does it wrap up now? Um, well, the pros are finishing at sort of, they started at 6.48, so they're finishing, what did he do for the winner? Must be about four hours, so uh, yeah, about 11 o'clock, and most people are sort of done, you know, early afternoon, I think prize giving was at... 4.30 in the afternoon, so sort of um, mid-afternoon-ish, it's wrapping, wrapping up. Uh, but it seemed like there was a lot of people out on Saturday night, it was a nice evening, so yeah, pros and cons both way, but to run the full down there, I mean, I'd love to see them have it back every you know, third or fourth year, but the logistics with traffic, etc. these days is, uh, is making it incredibly hard. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the men's race. Yeah, so I, as I said, I was expecting it to be Braden Curry versus Joe Skipper and maybe a few other players sort of thrown in here and there. Uh, and it didn't really pan out that way because Mike Phillips put the old sneaky late entry in. Well, I'm not sure if it was how, how late it was, but I didn't even know he was racing. And he opened a can of whoop-ass on the bike and just crushed them. Uh, he had around about a three-minute lead coming off the bike. And then Joe Skipper uh, came through on the bike and he was off sort of, uh, I think it was in... I think he was pretty sure he was second off the bike, uh, and he had about a minute lead on Braden Curry. So I think oh, he actually rode a faster time than Mike. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. just a few seconds. But yeah. uh, So those guys rode really strong, and so I was thinking, well, Mike's a really good runner. I know he's been injured, but three-minute lead, he could, could have this. I was thinking Joe Skipper 
great runner, Braden Curry, great runner, don't know quite what's going to happen here, but Braden Curry hadn't, didn't look like he was on fire on the bike, and I was just wondering if he was going to have an average day, and as it turned out, uh, Joe Skipper exploded, Mike Phillips had other plans on the run, and ended up being a relatively comfortable victory for so, Braden so Curry. So when you say he had other plans, do you think because he was injured, he just kind of cruised the run? Yes. So uh, he basically uh, smashed it to have a good training day? Uh, and you'll hear about it in the interview later on, okay. his, his sort of strategy around that. So Braden Curry went 359.48, he swam 23.13, very good that conditions. Uh, that run is, I'll, I'll go into that in a second, uh, biked 217 and ran a 115.31. But if we remember back a few years ago, he ran uh, like a 111 with Gomez when yeah. you were down there. A couple of changes this year, the bike course was slightly different uh, and it was... Slower uh, or faster? Uh, it was slightly longer. It was, I think, people were saying it was ninety-one point something kilometres. Okay. And the run, uh, whilst it was the same run, uh, is some slightly different surfaces in there because they had a whole bunch of flooding down there. So I think the run would have been a little bit slower. And I was talking to Gail Harvey Haywood, and she was saying how uh, there was lots of like tree roots and stuff around because of the flooding that's happened mm. recently. So it was it was a little more, a little more kind of concentration-wise or technically more challenging than normal. In second place, we had Matt Burton, and I interviewed him later on in the show. Uh, he did 4.02.37, so two and a half minutes back. And then Mike Phillips uh, just had to get a little bit of a wriggle on there at the end. Uh, he did 4.03.31, uh, just to hold off a fast-finishing Jack Moody, who had the fastest run of the day with a 1.14.55. So uh, he looked like he was moving pretty pretty nicely. He got smashed in the swim, lost a little bit more time in the bike, and then uh, came through with the fastest run split. Joe Skipper uh, detonated. He... Um, <laughs> the, the, the bike course has an out and back stretch to begin with which is I don't know maybe 30k something like that and he came through town I was standing on this corner which is a little bit of a rise and I gave him a split to um, Mike Phillips and Braden Curry and he yelled out Braden better have his uh, running legs ready today so I think Joe was feeling pretty good and pretty fired up and he was doing up. a good place off the run uh, off the bike but uh, I read his post and it said he dropped his, uh, his, all his gels somewhere on the bike uh. and so hardly had any nutrition so I think it was a matter of if, you know, when he was going to blow up rather than if he was going to blow up just, just a question on Dylan McNeese what's the mm -hmm. of his career do we think because he isn't we haven't seen him racing a huge amount, and he hasn't performed as highly as what we've seen in the past. I would predict, I don't know anything uh, in terms of his plans, but I would imagine this will probably be his last season, I would I would take a guess at. Uh, so, yeah, he's had some amazing races. Oh, God, yeah, he's great. Um, you know, his, and, and the funny thing about Dylan's career was he was looking to basically, he was, he was basically a young ITU athlete, but didn't quite make it at that level. Was looking to give up triathlon completely. I think he'd just finished university, mm. came to challenge Wanaka, won it, and it changed the path of his life. And yeah, and we had a couple of other wins at Wanaka, but Wanaka has definitely been the jewel in his crown elsewhere in the world. You he know. has won some other yeah. races. He won one in Asia, didn't he? Yeah, he's, he's had a few good races in Asia, um, but at some of the really big races, you know, in terms of challenge, Roth, uh, Hawaii, etc., hasn't really performed. So yeah. He's, uh, I would say he's at the, at the twilight of his career. Females race, which I was picking to be quite exciting, uh, ended up being quite exciting and it did end up being a bit of a two-horse race with some other very good close finishes as well. So you had, uh, coming off the bike, you had, well, Rad Kakarafelt was uh, right up there out of the swim coming out with Rebecca Clark or just, yeah, she was right with her. Uh, and then pretty sure, yeah, they came off, uh, Hannah Wells rode up to those two eventually on the bike and so three of them came off together. So you kind of got the showdown on the run that we'd hoped for with Radka Carterfelt against Hannah Wells who had been sort of undefeated in yeah, New Zealand Australia for the last sort of year and Radka Carterfelt uh, 
taught her a lesson on the run. She ran a 122.08, which is, um, that's pretty solid for that course. Um, Hannah Wells ran a 125.28, so ended up being a pretty comfortable victory by uh, around about three minutes or so in the end, with Meredith Kessler, uh, you know, another five minutes back in third. So, yeah, it was a good, you know, really good, uh, good solid racing, pretty close between uh, Rebecca Clark and Meredith Kessler, a couple of minutes there, and then a really close race between fifth and sixth with Sarah Bishop holding off Rachel McBride uh, by about 15 seconds and the Lisa Roberts who we had on the show uh, a couple of weeks ago yeah. I ended up standing next to her husband on the the, the, um, the bike course so oh, how's she going to go today because she's, she's a long way down out of the swim you know she's losing five minutes in the swim which I think is pretty normal um, but he said no, she's not going to do very well. She'd done the coast to coast the week before, uh, and the, apparently the run. You know, we, we often talk about the coast to coast, and this year they had a different run course, and it wasn't sort of this, so mountainous and off road. But this time they had this massive sealed climb up the Oterra Pass, and apparently it was brutal. And people were saying it was almost it was sort of kind of harder on the legs than what the normal runners oh really her legs were completely trashed so she only finished in 10th place oh there you go uh just anything else from the race that's interesting to talk about uh no that was the, the guts of it it was just good good solid pro racing um yeah pretty i'd say a, a deeper field than what they often have it was the asia pacific champs which um don't think really meant too much to the athletes but you know for, for some of these athletes it'll mean they get some ranking points for the the series and uh yeah, good little um, hit out like Mike Phillips. Good hit out pre Ironman New Zealand. Braden Curry looks to be in reasonable shape, and Joe Phillips. I'm sure you know he's quite hot and cold. Not Joe Phillips, Joe Skipper. Uh, be interested to see if he fires up for Ironman New Zealand. He arrived in Christchurch last night, by the way. He was Facebooking me. He's off riding right now with the. How long is he here for? Till the first of March. I have to get him on. Mm. Um, okay, John Bo. We had also Ultraman Florida happen over the weekend, and Dee Dee Griesbauer. Absolutely smashed it, breaking the record by over three hours. <laughs> that's that's a dojo domination. It is, and she was leading overall going into the last day by quite some margins. So if we look at her day one result, she went six thirty seven. That's for the you know the long swim and the first stage of the bike. And uh, on the men's side of things, got off Jeff Fedgefar, who's a patron of the show. He got uh, crushed by her. He was like twenty. No, tw- uh, 12 minutes behind, but Didi is an exceptionally good swimmer. She, uh, in Hawaii, when she used to race pro over there, would often be, you know, if not leading, very close to the front of the race. So she swam a 2.28 and then rode a 4.08. So her bike time was similar to Jeff's, but uh, she crushed it in the swim. And then she went on again to, to crush day two. She rode 14.34, and it looks like the, I oh know she didn't do that, she did 7.56. Yep. Uh, and the fastest guys were in that sort of region. Uh, um, 7.46 was, the, by the look of it, the fastest guy. Oh, no. No, the fastest guy was 7.27. So still holding her own. And after day two, she was still on the lead. She was 14.34 to Steve, Stephen Keller, who was uh, 14.40. And I do need to point out, Dee Dee Griesbauer is 49 years old. So it's not like she's just an ex-pro going out there yeah. and uh, trying to spank the boys. And then on the day three, her run was, it was always her weakness, um, but still held on to do a 7.56. Um, so she's still got second overall. Yeah, so very so solid. So Steve Keller, he ended up doing a 21.49 total time. Dee Dee did 22.48. And then Jeff, good old patron of the show, he did 23.04 in third, second place for the men. So... What a performance. And so for those of you that watch the Ironman live coverage and you listen to the commentators, she's the main sort of female commentator that's on there. You know, you normally have uh, 
Michael Lovato and Dee Dee Griesbauer are often the common ones there. Rachel Joyce is sometimes in there and uh, a few other random ones, but she's the, the main female. So if you're sitting there thinking, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about, she certainly does. Great performance. Three hour <laughs> record. Now, Melissa Race has only been going for seven years, um, but still. D- and you, don't, and you don't get pros really doing. Um, no, no, so although um, Chris McDonald is the current champion, he won it last year. Nice. The current record holder. But um, they were saying this is by far harder than the Kona version of it or the Hawaii version of it. Really? Yeah, they're saying the Hiltoness is absolutely oh, in ridiculous. Terms of the, the profile, I wouldn't say in terms of like that, you can't beat that Kona run, bloody hell. Yeah, well, that's true. Well, profile-wise, it's harder. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Jombo, we also had uh, Challenge Road have been announcing a stellar field. It's a good year for us. Actually, I saw him. I was up in the corridor, up in Auckland, yeah. um, for work, and I jumped and in, bumped into Belinda. Granger? Yeah, and yeah. Ian Scott. And uh, she was saying that they went all out to get this field, mm-hmm. and, uh, and what a field they've got. So they've got the top three from Kona last year on both the males and the female side. So Jan Fredino, Tim O'Donnell and Sebastian Keenley. And then on the female side, um, they've got uh, Lucy Charles Barclay. I just, just can't not think NBA when I say no, that. I don't think uh, can. Sarah Crowley and Anne Haug. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And then you've, you, it's not just going to be those no, three. No, because you'll get like a Joe Skipper. You're Joe Skipper's get, you know, already signed up. Yeah, you're going to yep. get a pretty – it's going to be a great race. Interestingly, because – Early on, back when we first started, back in when we first started this show, 15, 16 years ago, um, Road was always kind of slightly better than Germany, or they'd be on par. Mm-hmm. And then in the last period of time, you've tend to find that Road would get one rock star and then more of a second tier field, mm-hmm. and Germany would have the stronger field. Mm-hmm. This year? And last year we did have that with Germany where you had, pretty sure you had Keenley, yep. Langer and uh, Fredino. So I think they thought, screw this, we want it. So shame they haven't got Daniela Reef. I mean, you can't get everything. Um, no. But she's got to go and qualify somewhere, whereas all these athletes are in. Uh, have qualified uh, and some of them are validated as well. So Tim O'Donnell, I'm sure he's raced, uh, I think he did one of those late season races like Cozumel or something like that. Yep. Uh, don't know about Keenley and the others, Lucy, um, Bark, Lucy Charles, uh, I think she... She normally quite often does South Africa, uh, and Sarah Crowley. I'm sure she's raced as well. They have, to, they, have to, they, have to, they have to do a full, don't they? They can't just do any put through. Yeah, yeah, you okay. don't have to go full noise. You just got to go and do a full somewhere. So it's going to be exciting. And and what what's exciting about it is for Jan Fredino, if he can get some company on the bike to help push him along. And as we've seen in the last few races, he kind of doesn't need that company to push himself along. No. But if somebody could go up there and just go, right, we're going to go ballistic on the bike. Well, Keenley uh, could. Keenley could, but it'd he's always swim. three yeah. minutes down out of the swim. Uh, so it'd be so cool if we see some really fast times. What, what, what's his record? 7.36? Something like that. 7.30-something. <laughs> Uh, that's mind blowing eh? so it's going to be cool, cool times that's such a cool thing uh, Ironman 2020 edition of the Santa Rosa will mark the end of the full distance race in Santa Rosa yeah so it sounds like they might be looking for another venue in California uh, so yeah for everybody's doing Santa Rosa enjoy it last one get it done uh, Jombo ITU update what's happening in the ITU world so this was an interesting one that I just came across yesterday and I'm going to pull out my old uh, naivety in the world card in terms of uh, para 
athletics and para sport in general. Yep. But this is kind of cool. So at the Saratosa ITU ITU uh, World Cup this year, they're going to be having prize money for the para athletes that will be equal to the elite World Cup taking place on the same day. So there will be sixty thousand dollars spread across um, the para athletes. The slight difference here is There's six categories. All the different categories. So the winner of each para race will get two thousand one hundred and forty-three, um, and the runners-up will get twelve hundred and eighty-six, and then uh, the third place will get eight hundred and fifty-seven. So although well, interesting, kind of, sighted guides competing alongside the athletes with visual impairments will also receive the equivalent earn- winnings. Huh. So like if you're a who was the, who was I talking to? I was talking to now who's a, who's a really good pro athlete comes here every summer female. Laura Siddell, she's on the show later on. Okay, I was talking to Laura Siddell, and she was saying she was trying to qualify for the Olympics as a, as a guided athlete. She didn't mention that when I was interviewing her the other day. Yeah, so I was, I was, I was just down at the old protocol a few weeks ago, just get, when my daughter was here, we went out for lunch, and um, there's a crew of people, Scotty Brown was there, there was a big crew of people doing a bit of a corporate ride, and she was there, and I saw a few of the listeners, and I said hello and everything, and um, yeah, I was just having a bit of a chat to her. She's always a good person. She's a great chick. And um, she was just saying, yeah, she, she's thinking about trying to qualify for the Olympics. But it's quite a hard thing to do, mm. to be a power guide, guide person. But she's basically, she's kind of in the, in the spectrum at least. Yeah. It's not go. far away. Better get your A to G. So she can make money if she did this. Yeah, so the funding comes from USA corporate partners as well as private donors to make it the first elite para prize purse in ITU history. It does go on to say that um, last year the USAT along with Toyota and Challenge Athletes Foundation did offer prize money at their national championships. Uh, so this is kind of cool and, I, uh, and again I've got my two minute research coming up shortly on oh. another topic but I didn't do my two You're minute research us. here as to I wonder if there's any other sports, para sports in the world that actually have prize money. Uh, I, I think the I wouldn't be. I'm going to say. I'm not going to say yes or no. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is. Maybe like wheelchair rugby and stuff. Yeah, like basically, hard. if it can be on TV, there's going to be money in the sport, isn't there? Mm. And things like the Invictus Games maybe has made para sport a more of a TV sport. Well, para athletes definitely get funding from national bodies. Yeah, uh, but I'm wondering. Yeah, but prize money. Is is there a sport that's actually kind of funding itself by making some money as a para sport? Mm. And if so, yeah, they're making money. It'd be good if that was the case. John Bo, hot topic of the week. So last week we talked about how would you feel if you got beaten by an equal level athlete who was wearing the new Nikes? Or also, how would you feel if you set a new PB that was purely based to the change of equipment? And you can start because I've got to pull up Facebook. Okay, I'll say Michael Rand uh, first. People need to stop looking outside themselves for excuses. If the position means that much to you and you can't afford it, go buy a pair of peer yourself. Anyway, it was kind of funny last year in Cairns when you slowly jog past someone wa- walking wearing a pair of Vaporflies. I still remember my first ever triathlon Here we go. riding past somebody on this really fancy green Klein bike. I don't think Klein bikes even exist anymore. Was that with a K? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was on, it was my first triathlon. I thought, what are you doing on that amazing and bike? And you were on your Rally 20? And it was a slight, mine was a slight step up from Rally 20, but it wasn't much. And I was, 13 or 14 at the time. Uh, it is a good feeling going past somebody when they've got all the gear. Oh, the gear, no idea. John, you do your next one because I'm still waiting for my Facebook. Damien Holmes, um, if the product is commercially available, then it's fair game. I disagree with people racing with prototype products which are only available um, to a few sponsored athletes. One thing I'd say on that is for the, the pros at least at the, in, in the marathoning world is they're not actually allowed to run in prototypes. The, the rule is you do have to be in a commercially available shoe. Okay. 
That's fair enough. Uh, Sarah Sutherland's got here, your equipment is a part of your arsenal. Getting the library of equipment takes time to accumulate and you use what you have available at the time that is compliant with the rules. It's always going to be the driver or a limiter of your own mind and work ethic. Beating someone with better gear than you is satisfying because you have earned that small inner victory within your work ethic. Do you want to do another one? Yep. Okay, um, I'll go here. He just pointed at me. I was almost mad about <laughs> Tanya, Devin Point's got here. There's always someone faster, thinner, and has more money, more time to train. If you have your reasons why, then the rest is irrelevant. Yes, technology will always pay a part in our sport. Can't do try without a bike. Good technology will do more than a 40% gain. I will say, we got a lot of comments on this yeah, discussion, one, isn't it? Yeah. and they're pretty consistent. So we had like 57 comments on here, which is a lot more than we normally get. Yep. Um, and the general theme is, it's the deal. If, you, if you want to have them, yep. go and get them. Nobody was saying, oh, they're, they're crap. And so I think good old um, Adam the Schnozzle Bardsley, you're out on the, the own there when you get really fired up about this and think they should be banned. I mean, I kind of agree with you, but uh, it seems like we are relics of the past. I'll pull out another one here. Uh, ben Pasala, um, you used to get... Uh, What's it? You used to do a coach-to-couch session when you racked and stacked with tech. I'm going to go on to another one. Sorry, Ben. Um, Travis Bentley, it's way more complicated than that. What if you both buy the shoes and they are res- uh, and a respond- you're a responder and you aren't, or they are a responder and you aren't? Same, uh, some will get far greater benefit than others. These shoes advancements, advancements aren't like bike technology. They don't work the same for everyone, the same way that performance-enhancing drugs don't. You can always... You can't have a level playing field when these are allowed, regardless of their availability. Tim Tanzer has got, I think, uh, if you're an Ironman athlete who runs a couple races at time a year, you probably don't have the same personal rivalry on a week-to-week basis as someone regularly running local races. I have a couple of local rivals I'll see eight to nine, ten times a year, uh, with our times all within one minute to 30 seconds of each other over a five to 10k run. Uh, and half marathon it's a big change paying 250 plus pounds for trainers that do less than 300 miles compared to 50 dollars for a pair that do 400 it's made running at age group levels less inclusive based on dollars and that is bad i'm currently coming back from a hip operation and have made the decision not to buy a new pair unless at least until i know that my performance is normal shoes is uh, then I, it just feels like I'm cheating myself. So he's definitely against it. And uh, Jared, it's definitely a running kind of angle. Yeah, Jared Smith, the sport is already an equipment race at the elite end. Swim skins, aero helmets versus road helmets, high-end race wheels versus training wheels, vapor flies versus any other shoe, etc. If you want to compete against the best, then you need to spend the money to do so. It's always been the way in this sport. But majority of the field are competing against themselves, so each person sets their own rules. Vapor flies are only a small incremental cost in the sport, and other brands will catch up soon enough top end bikes wheels and aero testing cost a fortune in comparison that's a good point it, it, the vapor flies are expensive i don't know how much they are but really relative expensive. relative to what we all spend on bikes and wetsuits etc um they are relatively inexperienced but the counter to that is you probably only buy, buy a bike every well some people buy them fairly regularly um but most people don't buy a new bike very regularly and and likewise with a wetsuit you know you're going to get quite a bit of use out of them but yeah for the for bang for buck it's a pretty good spend of your money well i'm looking on the internet here john this can't be right there's some website trying to sell them for a thousand bucks new zealand <laughs> so they're not cheap um i'll do one more jumbo let's have a look here i'm gonna say 
Graham McCallum's got here, morally superior. That happened in an Ironman I did. Plenty of people with more money than sense take shortcuts with expensive speed. I prefer to keep the same similar equipment and measure myself against myself. Last one I'll do, Jason Lenski, if you're not racing in carbon-plated running shoes, you're handicapping yourself. It's part of the sport, no issues. John, your thoughts? Yeah, so let's focus on the Because you and I are both tight asses, so we have that yeah. dilemma, don't we? We do. Um, so let's focus, and rather than discussing the shoe too much and fairness and all that sort of stuff, we'll try to focus on whether we would actually get them, and if somebody beat us, uh, how would we feel? So firstly... I've got double standards, and that's okay, okay? So I'm allowed to have my extreme endurance and all my other uh, products that make me go faster, but I'm not going to get a pair. I don't think I'm going to get a pair of these running shoes. You, as everybody else says, you're not going to have a, a level playing field. So how would I, would I actually go out there and get a pair if I knew I was racing against somebody uh, who was going to have them? Answer is probably not, unless it was really... It was going to make the difference between maybe qualifying. But you've never tried them. So no, what I happens haven't. if you try them and you do realise you're getting time from them? Oh, no, I definitely will get time from them. Everybody gets time from them, but how much time you get from them does vary in, in percentage terms. So I've got no doubt in my mind but that you you've, you've never quite got that three-hour marathon. It's up three-hour and a nine-man. Yep. Yep. And you've been pretty bloody close. Mm-hmm. But so I guess for the me... The shoes... Yeah, but then I, I wouldn't feel like I'd done it if I if I went out and do that, and that's sort of what oh, this did, question's about. Oh. I would if I if I was going right uh, it, at the moment. I don't think I'd go and get them just because at the moment I kind of just subjectively measure my performance as going that was pretty good. Um, that was that was rubbish. Um, the difference for me would be if I was right on that edge of say need, wanting to qualify for Kona, yeah. and if I thought if I don't get try to uncover every bloody turn uncover every stone then I might go down that path but I'd still I don't I wouldn't feel like I was cheating but I'd look if if I went quicker I'd be going yeah that's quicker quicker with a little asterisk next to it but but is it because look look at your bike yeah and I agree and that's so, so you have got double standards I have got double standards <laughs> I said that earlier uh, <laughs> but for me swimming and running is really pure sport cycling you always that's you're buying just, speed on the bike. You're buying speed on the bike, but for me, for swimming and running, it's just that pure sport. And 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 what probably gets to me at the moment is at the weekend we just saw a new five k world record. But wait a second, when you swim in Kona, you were one of the swim skins. Uh, uh, that's a very small gain. You but know, it's still the gain. It's still a gain. I, I've got double standards. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Okay. Uh, and, so, you saw, so you saw a race on the weekend. So, so somebody said a new 5K world record. Okay. And, I look, and they're wearing Nikes. And I was like, yeah, it's a record. But they didn't really go any faster, did they? They went faster well, they because they wore a pair of shoes. Well, but they still had to run the they, went, they went faster. And yeah, but it was all down to the shoes. It wasn't down to better ability. So if I went out there and trained up for a marathon and went marginally quicker than my fastest marathon time, I'd judge that subjectively rather than just on the time. Yes, it would go down as a PB, but I'd be going, did I actually run faster than that first one? Mm, maybe, maybe not. So just, I don't know. For whatever reason, it doesn't feel right for me. I know everyone else, biking. So you and I, when we were back in the prime, we were pretty similar in ability. If I beat you and I had those shoes on? I'd be going, yeah, that's got a little <laughs> asterisk next to it. But I'd be going, it's my own fault for not going and getting them. Okay. So I would totally, I'm not going to bitch and moan when people have got them. You play by the rules. Yeah, because you've got a choice. You've got a choice. So as long as they're available to everybody else, I'd be pissed off if they weren't available and somebody beat me, then I'd be pissed off. Yeah. Um, but as long as it's available to everybody else, you've got no, nothing to blame. In this case, I think the rules are wrong, um, but you play by the rules. 
Do you think we've gone too far? Do you think they're going to take it back? Well, I can't go back now. It's one of the... Well, and the well other they do it with something. That's, I was about to say the exact same thing. I was on the bike the other day just randomly watching stuff on YouTube and saw the 200-metre final from the... I think it was the Atlanta Olympics and it was Ian Thorpe versus um, Grant Hackett and... Uh, Phelps in his early years. So this is when Thorpedo was And this is when up. the suits were all available. Yeah. So Thorpe lined up in the full body suit. You know, this went yeah. all the way down to his wrists and all the way down to his ankles. Um, the second guy, which I think was Peter Hugenhagen, or I think that was his name. Why, why were you watching this? It just came up. It was on the like, Olympic channel. Oh. And he only had uh, from the waist down. I mean, why would you do that? Probably didn't have the, he probably didn't have the opportunity to get the full suit. And then I think Grant Hackett had the... Uh, the sleeveless, Shoulder, yeah. sleeveless one. And yeah, it was a new world record and they were just smashing world records all over the place and it was purely down to the gear. So for me, I'd like swimming and running to just be simple sports and just left alone. Biking, I mean, I'd, my preference would be to go back to some fairly stringent UCI rules, but I think that uh, that ship sailed. But yeah, it just doesn't feel right for me and I know I've got double standards. I know I'm a hypocrite, but I'm okay with that. It is funny, isn't And it? I would feel, if I, did, as I said, if I did match my personal best running in those shoes I'd be going an interesting question is what is human performance Mm. you know because in the purest form human performance is no technology but technology is a part of how we live our lives and I I kind of think that one thing that's pretty fascinating moving forward you're right there what are you doing it's too low. Oh, it's too low. Set up with shit. You did a bad job. Hey, hey, actually, no, I didn't. You turned up your microphone and you put it in there. And so the first time he's ever had to change it is the one time he set it up. It's double standards. <laughs> I'm always right. You're take, wrong. Take, take responsibility for your own actions, mate. Um, I, I just think that's a really interesting question is what is human performance? Because human performance is always enhanced by technology. Mm-hmm. You know, when we think about how we live our lives nowadays we use phones you know and and i think what's going to be really interesting moving forward in time 50 years from now i i I see a world where you'll replace your knees because you'll get a better knee you'll have a spring in it or something yeah like like, yeah like i I, you know we think of a guy like ray kurzweil who's kind of this future thinker and 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 he talks about how we'll 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 kind of partly be part machine part human because we'll just replace body parts because it's kind of the next level of what we do now it's pretty futuristic thinking but you know like it is really fascinating to think about how does that merge and what happens with sport in that world because if there is a world where majority of people are choosing to get better human body parts because technology can do a better job Hmm. um you know interestingly like on the radio this morning Ross Taylor is one of New Zealand's greatest cricket players of all time. And there was a period a few years ago where he was kind of starting to lose it and he realised his eyes were going. So when he had laser operation mm. and he's back to his arguably in his best period of cricket in the late part of his career right now. So has he cheated? Mm. You have to ask him how he feels about that. I'd say in that situation, again, with my double standards, probably not. But he's uh, used technology yeah, to make himself a better athlete. Let's get back to the question. Would you go and get a pair? Yeah, bloody hell, I would. If I, if I, yeah, you, totally. if you beat your time, would you Wouldn't Would me. you be going, wicked, I'm, I'm heaps better? I'd be going, I've got the best time I ever could get. But would you feel like you performed better? Well, it depends how I raced. Yeah. If I gave it everything in the race, definitely I would. Mm. You know, because it's all about, you, you know when you've got to the end of the race if you've given it everything. Mm. Now, if you've got a better time because the shoes help you get there, well, that's good as well. But if I'm trying to get to Kona, if I'm trying to win an age group, I remember years ago, because you and I are fundamentally tight asses, mm-hmm. so I haven't... No, nothing bought- fundamental, we're just, <laughs> we are tight asses. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was doing, 
I was doing my petrol comparisons. You know, I've got the new diesel, and I was sort of starting to take notice of petrol prices. There's significant variation oh, in really? price, petrol prices. So, wait, you're saving? We we did a good saving in Wanaka. Oh, good. Yeah, good because Wanaka's prices are pretty expensive as well. Um, I just think that your job as an athlete, if you're trying to perform, your job is to get fastest speed as possible. Mm. And if the rules say you can buy speed and that's something you can afford, mm-hmm. now we can argue is it fair? Well, it's not fair, but we can argue is it right? Well, some people are going to get really annoyed, some people are not. But if your job and you've got the resources, why wouldn't you? It's mm-hmm. fine, and I wouldn't feel bad about it. I would. Yeah. But then, depending on the standard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this week's discussion, prize money and triathlon. So I asked a question last week, who has won the most of all time and how much do you think that would be? So we thought we'd chuck that out there as a discussion of the week. So basically the question is, and this is prize money only or was it just money and triathlon? Well, you came up with that. You I think it was money and triathlon. Okay then. We can do both. We'll do both. Who's won the most prize money? Because it's probably more accurate to figure out. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see, you know, like if we think of the 80s. <laughs> How are we gonna, we're not going to have an answer for this, but we can take all take a guess at it. Well, they're making pretty big money in the 80s. Yeah, but how are we going to figure out who's who's taking Some it? Some geeks out there. Thorson, mm. you've got a big job this week. Yeah. Um, and then just who do you think's made the most money overall in the long term? John. John's two-minute <laughs> research. Half-ass research. Okay, what are we doing here? So carry on from this topic around the, the shoes. Yep. And as I said, for me, I'm like, eh, it doesn't quite feel right. If I was a pro, you'd have to have I'd them, be jumping you? on this like bloody straight Yeah, you're away. a fool not it's to. Like, it's a significant gain. It's your job. Is it going to make a difference in an Ironman race? You know, is somebody going to beat Jan Frodeno? Probably not, given the, the, the differences. It might make the difference between a place. Do we, do we know if any pros turned up on the Mincona this year? Oh, wait, wait. Oh, waiting, oh, waiting, oh this is waiting, a half-ass research, sorry. So I thought, hmm. And then I thought, maybe an Ironman, probably not going to make a difference, in the, you know, but it will make a few, a few minutes on that run. But I thought... ITU stuff, you've got sports scientists working for your national federations and they are looking for every little mini gain uh, yep. there is. And we talked um, about Tokyo Olympics coming up and how the, the coaches are going to be able to hand off drinks and there's going to be cooling vests. Oh, really? And they're going to be really strategic is about how to do Is it because of the heat? Yeah. And, you, and, and makes, it's scientifically shown that you know, if you're taking in those cooling drinks, it has a significant advantage. So you know, they're going to be trying to find every little, every little gain that they can, to, uh, the, those half percenters. But I was interested to know, I was wondering, oh, I wonder if, um, if any of the ITU athletes are wearing the Vaporflies. Yep. And because in those races, it's close. Sometimes the winner gets away a bit, but you know, we saw so many different winners on the male side this year. Females was slightly less, but again, you know, a, a place on the ITU circuit is often determined by a few seconds. They come yep. down to sprint finishes. So I thought, I wonder if there are any athletes wearing Nikes, and you assume if they are sponsored by Nike, they'll be racing in Vaporflies. Yep. Um, and so I just tried to flick through the top 10 males and females to see who their shoe sponsors were. And it was quite surprising to me, the, um, the results that came out. So this year, the top 10, this is the top 10 athletes uh, rankings this year, and whether I could quickly find whether they had a shoe sponsor or not. So Vincent Louis, who won the World Series, he blew up a bit in the last race, um, but won Nike. Okay. And he had some very close finishes. Uh, Mario Mola, who's arguably the fastest runner in the sport, wasn't obvious if he had a shoe sponsor. There was no okay. shoe sponsor that yep. I could quickly see. Gomez as well. Didn't look like he had a sponsor. Well, surely they must. Well, it wasn't one of their major sponsors. You yeah, go to their okay. sponsor sure page. Sure, they get free gear. But they probably get free. But 
again, that's giving them the opportunity. If they didn't have a big sponsor, they'd go, I'm going to jump on whatever's fastest. Yeah. So, um, and this sort of theme carried on. So Fernando Alaza, who's a top Spanish guy, he was in ASICS. Martin Van Riel, who was fifth, wasn't obvious. Jacob Bertwistle, ASICS. Henry Schumann, ASICS. Leo Begier, ASICS. Gustav Eden and Christian Blumfeld, two Norwegians, not obvious. So now, ASICS, have they brought out their version yet? Because I've got absolutely no idea. Because I know ASICS and uh, Adidas are... Right. Talking about it at least. So that's one, two, three, four, five of the top ten in the world that did not have an obvious major shoe sponsor. And it was a somewhat similar theme on the females in terms of none of the top ten were sponsored by Nike. So you had uh, Katie Zaveris wearing 361s, uh, Jessica Learmonth and George Taylor-Brown. And basically all the Poms are in, seem to be in New Balance along with uh, Non Stanford. Taylor Spivey I think was in Sketches. Summer Rappaport wasn't obvious. Rachel Klammer in 361. Cassandra Bogran, Adidas. Uh, and Mazzetti uh, wasn't obvious. And Laura Lindemann, ASICS. So quite a lot of ASICS, quite a lot of New Balance on the ITU circuit. Just thinking about the top pros, what they're wearing, the Brownleys are in Adidas. Frodo's in ASICS, Danielle Reef is in ASICS, and Anne Haug, um, I couldn't, didn't look like she had a shoe sponsorship, but she used to be sponsored by ASICS. So all of them that I list there, only one Nike sponsored athlete. Shows I don't care about triathlon that much. Well, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also shows to me there's quite a few that aren't sponsored that could have the potential to get potentially, you know, a 4% gain in efficiency going into the Olympics bloody hell I'd be jumping all over that like a, a rash if I was one of those athletes in contention so what you are saying in your confused double standard world is there's a pro you should be in them hell yeah hell yeah it's your job and would it be enough if, if you were say had an existing sponsorship with another company you're going to the Olympics and you are potentially getting a medal and potentially a gold medal would you go and break your sponsorship deal and go, I've got to be wearing Nikes because that is the difference, could be the difference between winning me winning a medal and not winning a medal. It's amazing. Do you know what's really fascinating? Like, okay, so you've named quite a few athletes here and probably say 50% of them are sponsored. Hmm. You know, maybe 60% of them are sponsored. Surely you buy them. Hmm. Surely they're trying them. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like everyone's talking, like, why wouldn't you be trying them? If I was a sports science guy for the team, I'd be going, get in them. Get on them. Yeah. Did you talk about the iron people? Uh, yep, I did. Okay. Yep. yep. So I just thought that was really interesting. A, Nike's not involved. B, a lot of the top athletes do not appear to have a shoe sponsor as a major sponsor, um, which is to their advantage. And... It will just be interesting to see what happens in the lead into the Olympics, whether or not. Well, here's what's really interesting. If, we, if, if they haven't changed the rules around it with the Olympics, how many athletes are going to, the, who are sponsored by like an ADS athletes are saying, hurry up and get me some shoes before the Olympics? Because mm. at the Olympics... Every medal is going to be won by Nike athletes. Well, that's what we're thinking. Mm. Fascinating time, Unless you it? are... A seller. A, 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 amazingly better than somebody else. So you've yeah. got to be 4%. Again, I know they banned the 4% round, but let's just, for argument's sake, say it is 4%. That makes so much better. And normally, athletes are only a fraction of a percent better. John, fascinating times in our sport. Um, Sponsor! Extreme endurance. We've got a great email here from Kevin, the Assassin Hunt. Yep. John, do you want to read it? I used Extreme Endurance before racing at Challenge Wanaka last weekend. I had a leg injury coming into the Corsi Classic three weeks ago leading up to the challenge. Uh, That and combined with a taper for the Corsi Bay meant right meant I had very little endurance run training and also curtailed any longer bikes for at least four weeks. I got through the challenge pretty well. No uh, note 
not fully on the pace I was cons- um, consumed and pushing too hard, but the legs felt fine throughout and minimal soreness afterwards. I put this down to extreme endurance. I used I usually use it for three days before the race, but did start a, a day earlier this time around. Extreme endurance will definitely continue to be part of my race prep. And so Kevin's one of those guys who just uses it leading into a race to try yep. to get that extra few percent um, and also uses it as at it gives him good recovery. So the Corsia Bay race, which was one that I ran, was uh, three weeks before. Tough course, and you know you don't want to be coming out of a race three weeks before being wiped out for um, you know for ten days afterwards. So he had that benefit, going faster and also enhanced recovery. So check out an extreme endurance for him. Only takes a couple of days for it to kick in. Other people like to be on it all the time to get that constant benefit in terms of boosting their performance and training, and then that will take them up a, another level for their racing. Uh, so check it out. We love getting endorsements because, or testimonials, I should say, yeah. because it shows that it does work, just like the Nike Four Percents. <laughs> exactly. You want it? Go and buy it. Buy it. It works. So check it out, xendurance.com. And even if you've got a race coming up and it's, uh, you know, race, you just want to try it for a week before the race, works for Kevin. Check, check, check it out. Extremeendurance.com, guys. Check it out. It's all around the world. They're great products. Jonbo, we've got some interviews coming up. You're in Monaco. Apparently, you've got to push record. Well, Bevan gave me the new podcast recorder. Podcasting 101. Push record, mate. Oh, I pushed record, but I think I must have needed to press it twice. The old, the old voice recorder, you had to press it twice. The only problem with this one is the old one, you wouldn't hear it. That's yes. why you wear the earphones. I was wearing earphones. Yeah, and so you wouldn't hear it until you pushed record. Yes. So that was really good because you knew you weren't recording. Yes. This one doesn't have that facility. So this one, you can be an amateur, not push record, and then yes. realize halfway through the interview. So what we've been doing this, what, for 14, 15 years? It's out of 2016, weeks. And I'm still cocking it up. Yep. So the first two interviews you're going to hear, uh, well, first one's going to be from Radka Carterfelt. <laughs> so I only ended up getting a couple of minutes with her anyway because she was sort of she was freezing. It was a beautiful day, but pro athletes are pretty skinny and uh, she'd been standing around for a while and she was just starting to chill off. So I was chatting away to her. What she was basically saying, and I only ended up getting about a minute with her, um, before that was... She loved the Challenge Wanaka course. Uh, she says normally on the, she was saying normally on the bike, she you know she gets a bit bored and sort of um, just getting through it. But she said over here she absolutely loved it. She, she thought it was stunning, uh, and she went on to win the race. And you're going to hear what she's uh, thinking about with her lead up to her first Ironman with Ironman New Zealand. And then the second interview you're going to hear is from Rebecca Clark, and um, a lot of you won't have heard of her before. She's a New Zealand athlete, uh, and kind of the first questions I asked her was kind of about her back. Background and that yep. all didn't, so didn't hadn't come pressed through. On that. Hadn't pressed record great, on that. Great, great podcasting. But she was basically a former swimmer um, and raced quite a lot of short course ITU stuff, um, sort of World Cup level for New Zealand. And then um, when it did, when I did press record, then she actually talked about the race. So oh, I got the great got podcasting. And then I had a chat to Mike Phillips, uh, who tells us about his sort of pacing effort through the race. And then. Um, and then I really cocked up. I didn't. I pressed record, thankfully. But I was uh, talking to Matt Burton, who I've never never talked to before. And I had in my mind that he mainly did seventy point three sort of half Ironman races. Yep. And uh, he's actually got some stellar Ironman race results that I had had uh, I had alluded like? to to, to realise. Uh, he went seven fifty five forty at Ironman Western Australia in, uh, in last year to qualify for Kona and only got your fifth spot. No, second spot. This was this year. Oh, okay. Um, and then he did Ironman New Zealand. Went eight twelve last year to finish in fourth place. Uh, the year before he finished 
third at Ironman Western Australia in 8.07. Um, but he seems to, he, he does a lot of the racing in Asia with um, Mike Phillips and goes around like Cebu uh, and some of the Asian races, a lot of the challenge ones. So yeah, chat to him, which was, was a good chat. Then had a chat to Laura Wood, who is from Christchurch. She's sort of a, you know, um, went over to Thailand uh, and trained with Jürgen Zach's crew. So I was just keen to hear a little bit about oh, yeah. what it's like to go over there. And she she started off with a law career and then decided to pack it in and wanted to do some triathlon. Then I was standing around and saw Laura Sedell standing there and you'll find out why I went and had a chat to her. Okay, good times. Uh, so here are the interviews that John did in Monaco. Probably run slower, but nah, I felt I felt amazing. I felt great, and I really enjoyed here. And so um, we see your name down on Ironman New Zealand list. Uh, is that uh, a big push, or just to sort of test the waters? I definitely test the waters, but I've done really uh, some really good training. I'm surprised that I actually enjoyed the long runs and stuff. I was always saying nah, nah, but now I'm actually looking forward to do it. Um, huge respect from that race. Um, start stress, I'll start stressing about it soon. <laughs> and just um, couple of, one, one other final sort of question. In terms of when you're coming off the bike and you're with Hannah Wells, you know, she's, a, she's a runner, she's a, she's did well here last year. What's sort of going through your mind? Was it just focusing on you or were you you're sort of trying to break her? Oh, my mind was like, I, I want to win. I'm not going to give it easy away. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Brad told me yeah, in this technical section on the run is just you know out of sight out of mind so I tried to push and just go away get away from her as, as soon as possible and so I did that at the 3k mark and then just just realized I still have quite far to go but I couldn't hold the pace I think and then it was great. Awesome well done it's, she's, she's shivering here so this is about as hot as it gets in Wanaka so uh, well done on your race and we look forward to seeing you Taupo. <laughs> Thank you very much and yeah see you, see you soon. <laughs> hey today and uh, and just how it sort of panned out because um, yeah you, you certainly gutsed out there on the bike so talk us through your day. Um, yes I started with a swim um, always kind of know I'm going to have a good swim but um, I went off pretty hard I was like oh, I've started off really hard here um, and but I, I kind of got a gap or you know kind of clear water from the start which was good um, I thought I was by myself for a while I couldn't actually see anyone it wasn't until turning on like the last boy that I realised Radka was there um, and then I was actually having a bit of trouble I um, needed some my goggles were really fogging up so I actually had to like turn on my back and quickly clear them because I couldn't really see and I had the kayaker in front of me and but I did start to I, I just got confused with one of the boys and started going towards the wrong boy so and I saw red could go off and then but I, I, oh, I it wasn't so far that I could make a quick change and, and take it like the correct line but I was still I was a little bit annoyed at that but the time I was running out of this I forgot about it and was all like head down and, and get on the bike and stuff so um, yeah I mean, red could went off pretty hard and I was just like okay I'm just gonna you know stick with um, her pace and then yeah and then we were just swapping turns and and working hard and so we had a bit of gap to like Hannah and Meredith um, yeah. so it's always quite motivating we heard time splits that we had like a minute 20 to Hannah and two minutes to Meredith um, and so yeah we were pretty much um, I thought we would stay away but yeah I think Hannah put a bit okay. of a surge towards the end and caught us with about 10k to go and then so the three of us came into transition together it was quite exciting but I know they're both really running you know the running pedigree of them is just awesome so um, they went off and I went out quite hard just kind of keeping a little bit in touch um, and then it was just run my own pace from there and um, I knew Meredith would be running hard after me um, and she caught me I was quite happy how 
long I kind of stayed away from her, but she caught me about 13, 14k after Gun Road, so, and then it was, um, yeah, just kind of holding on from there. So yeah, in terms of how happy you were with your run, you know, maybe give your run a mark out of 10? Um, I think it's one of my better runs out of the last few races. I, I definitely felt a lot stronger than in Taupo and Tauranga, even though I guess it's they're more flatter courses in a way, but I just, yeah, I just felt strong in the run, not like obviously as fast as the front girls, but it was it was a good run for me, so I don't know, maybe a seven. <laughs> well, what's your plan for the rest of the year, you know? Um, good race today. Do you sort of head offshore or do you mainly just do New Zealand, Australia sort of stuff? Um, well, I've got a race next weekend, um, so I'm heading over the ditch um, uh, to Melbourne and then down to Geelong. Um, so yeah, really hoping to have a good race there because there's like world's qualification on the line. Um, so be, that will kind of decide a little bit after that. So uh, I'll have a little bit of a rest after that. Not doing Ironman New Zealand this year, so um, maybe maybe Ironman Cairns. But I was hoping to fit a few Asian races in, but we've just got a bit of a wait and see on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, hopefully some of them do go. Yeah. Head maybe in kind of April May that I can get over to. So good. Like give a give a shout out for your for your kit today and uh, and Robin Co. Um yeah. So thanks. Um yeah. I've got the support of my coach uh, Rob Dallymore from Foot Traffic. Being with him. Yeah. Good. Maybe three years, three or four years. Um, so yeah, no, um, it's going really well and I do some coaching for them as well. Um, but we've got a really good group there and I'll be doing Ironman and yeah, a good group to go out training with. So yeah, it's really awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. So a big Clark fourth place today. Nice work. Cool. Thank you. Working. Test, test. Yep, it's all good. Righty ho. Uh, hold on, let's just turn that down a bit. Okay, so we had a bit of a, well, I didn't even know he was racing, and then I saw him st uh, steaming up on the bike, Mike Phillips, and he uh, absolutely smoked the bike ride, and I wasn't quite sure whether he was going to run or not, but he did. Um, so Mike, uh, tell us about whether, when you decided you're actually going to enter this race. Uh, yeah, my, like I haven't been able to run for pretty much the whole New Zealand season, so um, you know, it's a bit of a shame to miss all the races, especially like I did quite well in them last year. So, you know, missing them all, I sort of thought if I can get to Wanaka, it would be good. You know, good see where I'm at. It's three weeks to Ironman New Zealand this year, so allows enough time to recover. And, um, yeah, you know, it's a really good measuring stick, I think, three weeks out. So, yeah. So talk us through your day and your, and your strategy when you know you've got, you know, I mean, you've got the run course record at Ironman New Zealand. You probably back yourself to run with anybody, but what was your sort of strategy today? Yeah, um, I've only been running for about two weeks at the moment from, you know, kind of three months off running completely. So it was very much about just, um, you know, having a decent day, swim, bike, testing my nutrition, kind of seeing how Braden and stuff are going and then um, just running. You know, I just set myself a cap at four minute Ks and just ran that until I almost got caught with a few Ks to go. So I had to do a couple of 330s. But um, yeah, it felt good. You know, I ran in my training shoes and stuff just to make sure I didn't flare the back up again because I guess... I kind of need to get another couple of good weeks of running into um, before New Zealand. And uh, and so when Braden came past you on the run and, and Matt came past you on the run, was the temptation to go with them, or you were pretty s stringent on your pace? Yeah, it's um, you know it's tough to be. I guess before the race, I didn't think I'd be leading onto the run, and um, you know to be leading and then be trying to hold just back at four minute occasion, you know, it's pretty tough, especially those guys going past. But. You know, I've I, I've tried to um, probably jump back into my running too quick a couple of times now, and it's um, meant you know another week off. So, you know, I guess New Zealand and further down the tracks kind of the main goal. So, you know, I had to keep that in the back of the mind. And what about um, I haven't seen you since Kona last year in terms of uh, on the racing side of things. Obviously, Kona didn't quite go to plan. Maybe just tell us what happened over there. Yeah, I picked up um, a stomach bud 
kind of midway through the year in one of the Asian races I did and just my stomach really never recovered after that like in Kona I didn't just didn't process any of my nutrition and I guess that was another reason to make sure we've been doing a lot of testing back home and just to make sure it's working again to come down today and and use the race nutrition at race intensity and just see how that went and make sure it was back to normal. And the bike numbers today were they pretty awesome? Uh, yeah it's, it's good like I guess the past few years I've focused on my run so much that the bikes dropped away a little bit and you know you can win races like that I guess but you know it's nice to be you know when I was coming off the lead, off the bike with a two and a half minutes or something you know I thought wow this is this would be a lot nicer to do this all the time but you know, it's such a fine balance I guess without the extra running I guess my cycling's probably picked up again but you know it's I'll probably go and run a bunch more and it'll drop off again so I don't know it's just a balancing act I guess. And what's the strategy for this year? Obviously Ironman New Zealand, hopefully get your Kona ticket there. Um, what's your plan for the rest of the year? Yeah, and then I think I'll aim for Cairns. You know, it's a semi-hot race. Um, it's Asia Pacific Champs, so, you know, it's normal, it'll be a good field and a good test. And, you know, it's kind of coming at the end of our season, so a good time to kind of have a big race and then a, couple, a bit of a break and prepare for Kona, hopefully. So you don't sit in the, where do you sit in the rankings for the championship and is that on your radar? Uh, dropped away a bit over the last kind of six months I guess so um, I wouldn't be able to make it this year um, but yeah you know it's still it's something to aim for I guess and hopefully I can get there in a couple of years. What's the feeling amongst the pros about it like is everybody going holy shit this is this is real or what's is there much talk? Yes yeah, I think it's pretty cool you know like we've kind of been only really had Ironman and then of course you know challenges kind of come along as well but to have an organisation trying to make it bigger and, put, and and promote the pros as such, whereas I guess Ironman's more of a mass participation kind of model to, to get their revenue. So um, it's definitely cool and, and you know that they're putting in a bunch of money which makes it a lot more realistic for us to keep doing this full time. Almost as much as the Sea to Sky. Awesome. Well done. We look forward to seeing you later in season. Cool. Cheers, John. Okay, second place uh, today, and I'm not sure if he was second or third last year, um, Matt Burton. Maybe before we start, Matt, and before telling us about your day, maybe just give us the, the lowdown about sort of where you're from and what's your story. Yeah, how you going, John? Thanks, for, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah, I'm over from, uh, or I've grown up in, in Perth, in the uh, sort of the Scarp, the Darling Scarp, so the hills of Perth. Um, spent a lot of time training alone and, uh, you know, sort of, I guess I came into the sport where it was... I was 21 it was more of a bucket list at the time like oh, not even a bucket list it's just I guess a lot of uh, young guys and girls in in Australia aspire to be professional sportsmen and uh, and AFL and cricket wasn't quite happening for me so you know I think I, I fell in love with the sport pretty quickly and uh, you know as much as none of my family had any idea you know didn't think it was going to last too long but here we are what 11 years later now so it's um, it's definitely become a, a reality now, I obviously see your name popping up all over the show, over 70.3s and, and halves, and I haven't done my research today whether you, whether you do fulls or do you mainly just stick to the halves? And I qualified um, for Kona in Basildon back in, uh, in December. Nice. So, yeah, I went 755, which is, for me, to win at home one day would be the, is my biggest goal. Yeah. Um, we've holiday in Basildon for, oh, you know, 32 years as long as I've been alive. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of the second home, I guess, with uh, every every school holidays. So, um, yeah, that's after a few disappointments last year. The you know I ended up racing four Ironman and the Bustleton in 2018. I was 
third, I missed by a spot. And then I went to New Zealand, missed by two spots, finishing fourth, which I, you know, I was pretty happy with the race. And then Cairns, I was fourth, missing by a spot. And then I probably chased it one too many when we went to Europe. Mike and I, uh, yeah, went to Sweden and didn't finish, just had a few niggles again. Um, you know, just that overload, you, I guess you can get sucked into it. So, you know, I went home from Europe and didn't race until Busselton. So I got home in the late September and I was like, ah, let's... I've always felt, and I've said it to a number of people, to be really good globally, you have to be great at home first. Um, so for me, 755 was, was huge. Yeah, it's really set me up for a full year now. I don't have to fake it so much, John. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, uh, and so what, what, what's your plan for this year? Like, do you go, okay, I'm just focusing on Kona, or obviously you've still got to make a buck here yeah. and there. So, so what, what's your sort of outlook now that you've got that, A, the monkey off the back, and also is it all focus on Kona or just go over there and see what happens? Uh, I definitely think in the sport now, you, you, you see a lot of guys and, and girls, sorry, I shouldn't, make reference to just the boys a lot of the girls too become consumed by uh, Kona yeah. and unfortunate you know fortunate for us now uh, in the professional game of, of long course racing the PTO being launched it's gonna you know create different opportunities over the coming years so uh, I think you're quite it's quite naive now to put all your eggs into that October basket um, but for me that the full distance is what is the sense of fulfillment um, you know I, I enjoy the halves but nowhere near as much as when you you know I don't feel I've got a full distance race you know spot on but do you ever you know that's I guess the question you you start to ask as you get older like am I you know was I being arrogant thinking I'm going to have a perfect day um, so I just train to you know on a uh, on a rough day I'm still going to be good um, so yeah I go to Roth I've just uh, locked in for Roth in See you there. Yeah, yeah. I've been. This will be my fifth time. So four times I work with Tri Travel, and Mike and I've been tour leaders. And uh, yeah, this time it's it's time to race it. It sort of feels pretty comfortable going there now. And you know, I'm fortunate to become good friends with with Belinda and Felix and and Marcus um, Altman, who used to uh, represent Challenge Family in in Oz. And you know, they've been great in sort of pushing, you know, assisting me to be to be part of the, that challenge family experience and you know thanks to them <laughs> so talk us through your day today because it was a, bit of a funny old day you know I was kind of thinking this could be a um, you know a Braden versus uh, Joe Skipper potentially didn't know Mike was racing didn't um, I thought it was just gonna be those two and then it would just went all funny with Mike going off the front you were kind of steady Eddie all day and uh, and Joe exploded on the run so talk us through um, how your day went whether it was awesome and you know the bits and pieces through the day I don't know if call it steady Eddie. <laughs> Didn't do awesome, awesome Andrew. Then yeah, that's it. It's, um, it was good. Swim with the group. The swim felt really easy, actually. So it was nice to be with. I think to be knowing Joe's coming into New Zealand, and the beauty of Joe Skipper is he doesn't know how he's going to perform. Um, so sometimes you get this this amazing athlete, and then sometimes he's so fatigued from doing having such a big day yesterday. So um, you know he went. His intentions were felt by me pretty early on the bike. He sort of came around me and, you know, the beauty is the draft rule's 20 metres and he kept, you know, the gap would open and I'm like, I've got to hang in here with, with him today because this could be the ticket to the front and then we're getting gaps to Mike and I was like, geez, you know, no Starkey this year but, you know, I knew Mike had put the running shoes away for a little while so, you you know, you're fortunate to, your bike probably picks up uh, when, you, when you're not running as much so, yeah, I'd, 
I, I wasn't really sure. Mike and I are good friends, but yeah. was he going to run? Was he not? Was yeah. he saving it? So, you know, I think it's it's easy to say I'm not going to, but when you come into T2 with three minutes, yeah. you know, it's, everybody loves to win, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I felt really good on the bike. I felt really well rested. I didn't sort of, you know, we were, uh, I th- I'm sure we would have pushed oh, well over sort of, for me, sort of, 350 watts so you know it was it was noticeable but I felt comfortable and I, I'd done a lot of work on my run leading into Bustleton and then I've probably formed more of a love for it so it's um, yeah you, you still don't know in a half I, you know I'm very good at sort of that marathon pacing uh, structure but a half's really like Braden seems to to go well where he top ends the you know the start of the bike and then the start of the run and he can sort of do enough damage that you just you're never going to get there but uh, I think you see it often enough now guys who are coming way back out of the water are now biking and running through to win races so yeah I guess hanging in there in the run I still felt like I was turning over well you come up gun road and it you know it's it's a steep street right so just try and keep keep it as steady as possible and then I was you know when I ran past Mike I you knew, he sort of tapped me on the bum, but I was like, ah, he's going to keep coming here. Now, I've seen him in a race run a three-minute K for the last two Ks of a race, and I was, yeah. it was holding in my head, and I was like, ah, I've got to beat him today. Come on, I've nice. got to have one. Nice. <laughs> so give yourself marks out of 10 for, for today's race. Yeah, I'm going to say seven. Yeah, it's a really good start to the year. I'm really, you know, it's, it's a fair trip from Perth, so, you know, coming back to a race the second or third time is always... I think it gets easier to race at a, at a location. And today being Asia Pacific Championships, does that mean anything for you guys in terms of more prize money or anything like that, or is it just a different different title, or any, does it mean anything? Uh, <laughs> no, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering if yeah. there's if it because to, to, to me it just seems like it's a, it's a naming thing. But yeah. is there other stuff for you guys as well? That, they did say that that up the prize the prize purse. Um, it wasn't substantial, but yeah, yeah I think they they you know they call them Asia Pacific champs but you don't sort of yeah. strut around with some sort of Asia Pacific stripes yeah. across your jersey for yeah. the next yeah. you know 12 months so yeah. yeah it's just a nice added touch to it. Nice well brilliant we look forward to seeing you in Rote and then in Kona as well we're going to be in both places so we'll uh, hopefully be interviewing you three times this year with uh, three go, go up the rankings go seven out of ten maybe an, an eight for Rote and then a ten for Kona so uh, all the best for the rest of your year. Thanks Sean. Brilliant. Okay, Laura Wood, who was uh, smoked the swim today, and it looked like she had a really strong bike, and I'm not sure quite where she finished up on the run. But she's been based, she's based out of Christchurch, but been in Thailand for quite a while. So, Laura, tell us first a little bit about your day. I'm going to ask you about a few other things uh, later on. So, so run us through your day. Um, yeah. So the goal for today was just to have a good swim and bike. So I'm coming off some some more injuries. I had a stress fracture last year, and then some shin splints towards the end of the year. So I haven't done much running. Um, my longest run was 14Ks uh, a week ago, um, so I just wanted to get through the run, but yeah, I wanted to be sort of in the mix at least in the, in the swim and bike, and yeah, I had a good swim, it was perfect conditions, it was like a pool, so that suited me, um, and yeah, came out third, and then onto the bike, um, actually felt a bit flat at the start, but um, when Hannah and Meredith came through, I stayed with them for a wee while, um, and then Hannah took off and stayed with Meredith for a bit longer and then I was pretty happy sitting there and then uh, she got away from me like yeah towards the end but um, 
felt like I was in good company <laughs> coming coming off. Um, yeah, so coming off the bike in six, which I was, yeah, was pleased with that. I would have been happy if the race ended there, but I thought I'd just get through the run and yeah, try, try to enjoy it and enjoy the scenery as much as I could. <laughs> so, so Laura's a qualified lawyer, did uh, a couple of years working in law and then uh, decided to pack up ship and, and head over to Thailand for I'm not sure maybe six, nine, twelve months or so. Maybe to run us through why you did that and, and what the experience was like. Um, yeah, so I'd given try a good shot in 2014 when I went over to Europe and loved that and then came back and um, yeah, Got, got into work and then kind of got a job at a law firm and got stuck there for a few years and I sort of you know, kept having days where I just sit at work and would rather be out training and um, just had that you know you only live once kind of feeling so um, yeah handed in my notice last April and went over to Thailand in May for it was nearly seven months so joined up with the squad there so I was training with Jürgen Zach and um, good group there so it was pretty awesome just yeah really good fun bunch of people and um, yeah really good training set up there and just lots and lots of biking which I think has probably helped me the most um, over the, yeah, the time I was there um, so yeah got a lot out of that I think um, learned a lot about training in the heat and dealing with that and then each race I sort of did in the heat I felt I was getting a bit more and more adapted to it so that was good, and then now back for New Zealand summer. Um, it was a bit crappy when I got home, but we've had some great weather um, in Christchurch the last month or so, so I've been loving getting out on the bike and just being back in the hills and getting into a routine. And so now I'm back at a different law firm doing um, some secretary work, um, just part-time. So still trying to keep up the same training volume, but need a bit of income as well. So, so what's it like, you know, for... Uh, yeah, we've got, we've got a really nice setup in Christchurch for training. Contrast that with what it's like in Thailand. Obviously, the heat's different, but uh, what what else are the big uh, key differences? Um, the hills. <laughs> There's basically no hills in, in where, where I was training. Um, the, we did most of our riding on this highway, which is beautiful and smooth, but at most it's rolling. Um, so coming back and going up, like yeah, up the bastard up to the Kiwi, I was really struggling for a wee while. Um, so that's a huge difference. And then took me a while to get used to the road surface as well coming home because it was so smooth over there. I actually thought it was going to be worse than New Zealand roads but it was the smoothest roads I've ever ridden on so that took a while to get used to but now I'm yeah, back loving it and yeah just over there it was quite easy to get the k's up because it's, yeah, it's so flat and fast so here you've kind of you know if you're doing the hills it obviously takes a bit longer but still yeah just yeah loving being back home but enjoyed both and yeah positive. What's the plan for the rest of uh, the Kiwi summer? I'm not sure what I'll race next. I'm going to go watch Ironman New Zealand um, next month. So I've got a few friends racing and just go and support that. And then I'm actually not sure because I was looking at some races in Asia in March and they've been postponed with coronavirus. So I'm just reassessing things at the moment. But there might be yeah, Chan Shepard or something like that. Um, Do you want to dip your toes into Ironman yet? Oh, not yet. <laughs> as yes, you know, I've um, struggled with injuries in, in the running side of things. Um, my longest run is still only 28k, so I feel like I've got a bit to a bit to work on there. And I need a. I haven't had a good, consistent running block um, for me to, to have the confidence to run a 
a full marathon. <laughs> but I think at, the, at this point I've, I'm more than happy to get out there for the, the swim and bike distance. Like I could get through that, but yeah, the run, I'm just not sure I'd be competitive enough. So Very nice. Well, good luck for whatever comes up. We'll uh, hopefully see you at the Sea to Sky. Thank you very much. <laughs> Okay, I've pressed record this time, which is always helpful. Uh, I've got Laura Siddell here, and she's on the wrong side of the fence today. I don't know if she was planning on racing anyway, but I saw a Facebook post the other day. This time last year, Laura had broken her collarbone, or it might have been a bit earlier. I saw a post, and I thought, oh, that's just a, I thought that's just a resharing of last year. Didn't want to be in this situation again, but it looks like you are. So run us down. What the hell's going on? Uh, yeah, so I broke my collarbone in May last year, and then had the and had it plated, had the plate taken out in, in December. I was planning to race this race but in a relay team, so I was doing the bike leg in a relay team. But um, yeah, just building back up into training, it had been going well, a couple of big heavy weeks I guess, and then just woke up one morning, couldn't move my shoulder, and um, yeah, had the x-rays and it had stress fractured through one of the, well we think through one of the, the screw holes from when we got the plate removed. So yeah, a bit bizarre, I hadn't had any pain, no nothing leading up into it, I'd had a pretty good swim week actually for me, I was like oh maybe finally something's starting to, starting to click and then yeah, clicking in the wrong way. So yeah. So what does this mean? Uh, so we decided whether I could, we could plate it again and so have more surgery and then subsequently more surgery to remove it further down the line but risked that of more holes and more screws and open more, obviously the surgery so I've decided I'm just going to try and let it play the patient game and let it heal for the next next few weeks so I am now what two weeks in um, another four weeks of sort of no loading no movement no joggling jostling mm. that sort of thing um, I can I can swim I've been in the pool with fins on kicking on my back mm. I've done some one arm stuff um, I've been on the bike but sitting upright mm. with it sort of hanging by my side elliptical trainer I've tried and I've been sort of in the gym doing strength work on the bottom of my bottom half of the body mm. uh, and some core work and basically whatever I can do that's not um, yeah stressing straining pulling tugging moving the moving the collarbone yeah so um, that's really shit <laughs> <laughs> I, I used a few more words than that but yeah it's a, it's a good way to describe it yeah <laughs> in terms of your analysis of today though um, oh. It, uh, I, I haven't, didn't speak to Braden Curry, but his run time was 1.18 compared to 1.11 a few years ago when he went head-to-head with uh, Gomez. So just what have you heard from people on the day as to how it sort of panned out and what the course, how it's sort of running, because it's a bit, little bit different this year. Yeah, a little bit different on the, the bike course this year, so I think maybe slightly longer this year, but obviously a little bit different with exit out of town and then coming back into town. But I think that's all been a positive change. I've not heard sort of... From what I saw of people riding the course in the week, in the days leading up to the race, they said that was pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Braden was probably in the same shape as he might have been for that race against Gomez. You know, he likes mm. those big face-up matches. And, um, you know, I don't know how his form's been going. He's obviously got, I'm thinking, Ironman New Zealand in a few weeks' time. I mean, he started, the, he didn't look as... He didn't look as strong on the bike. The, you know, obviously Mike Phillips had a phenomenal bike and he's been working on that probably because of being a bit injured on the run, not knowing how that would go. So he'd have wanted to get a bigger gap as possible. Um, and Braden didn't, I don't think, looked as comfy on the bike. And it, certainly when he started run, I mean, no offense, Braden, he's not the prettiest of runners. Yeah. Or, no, that's pretty is the wrong word. He doesn't have the best style, I guess, when you're running. He looks very forceful. Yeah. Uh, and when he ran out of transition, I was like, wow, I, don't, I really don't think he's got it today. But I mean, that was in the first 
100 meters and then you sort of saw that time coming down and yeah. and running through so yeah i mean he probably probably wasn't that he to beat gomez he had to pull out that mm. that faster run and mm. he's probably not quite in that that shape but still yeah full credit he's a classy athlete and mm. he knows how to fight yeah, yeah. Oh, that was impressive stuff uh so you're going to stick around nz for the rest of summer or what's your plan uh, no i actually head off tomorrow to the us so that's always the plan um i wasn't racing i was doing the relay here and i wasn't ever planned to race uh, Ironman New Zealand this year so I was head off to the States tomorrow for a two-week training camp with my squad and coach over there Julie Dibbins yeah. and then I was going up to Boulder for two three weeks to spend some more time with her yeah. so I'm still gonna do it still gonna do that that's still the plan but I'll just do rehabbing rather than full-on training but it'd be good to spend some time with Julie I've not I've not been face to face with her since I've started working with her uh, so excited to get over there and get get to know some of the squad as well you're always a crowd favourite, so fingers crossed uh, the tail end of your season is going to be uh, amazing. No, thanks very much. Thank you. There you go. That's Wanaka 2020 done. Now we look forward to Ironman New Zealand. What, three weeks? Three weeks. Yep. Less than three weeks now. Look forward to that race. So. You pick year for New Zealand Triathlon. It will be. Because we've got the World Championship 70.3s here. Mm-hmm. So the Olympics, we've got anyone? A couple of kids who maybe do okay? Yeah, Hayden Wilde's probably our best chance. I think people are thinking we might do okay in the mixed relay, but I reckon we're going to get our pants pulled down. But hey, hope we do really well. Andrea? Andrea will hopefully make it. She won't. You know, if she gets a top 10, would be solid. Yep. Top 5 would be awesome. Can't see her getting a medal, but uh, she good luck to her. Middle? Sorry? Does she have She does not. No. 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 Um, okay, it's a good year for triathlon overall. We've got the Olympics, we've got Kona, we've got Seven Bros. Oh, go, go. Road's going to be amazing. Road's going to be amazing. And we've got the Collins Cup. Yeah, it is actually. You know what? This is this is a big year. It is. <laughs> I just stated the obvious. Yeah. Uh, John Wagner of the week, and I'm going to say 55. 55. I did just give Jeff Fitchfar, who did uh, the Ultraman. He was number one this week, but number 55. Who we got down? 55. Carl Bonner. Um, or Bo- Bo- yeah, I think Bonner um, from Team En. Uh, he did 14 hours and 12 minutes of training. Looks like he probably swam 57 minutes, 9 hours, 14 minutes on the bike, and 4 hours on the run. So, solid week. Not too much swimming there, Carl. And jeepers, creepers, what's that picture of him? He's riding a bike in the aero position. Yep. And I'm pretty sure that's a Chewbacca outfit that he's wearing. That's pretty cool. That, that's a hot ride. Yeah. So he's from uh, England uh, in the United Kingdom. And 12 hours ago, he sent a PR on the sprinty bit. On the sprinty bit? Yep. And oh, there also you go. PR <laughs> on testing, testing. And a PR, it's on, Oasis to Starpole. And then a PR, God, you must have ran, you must have gone really hard in that session in the 4K pursuit. There you go. It sounds like it's a, the sprinty bit sounds pretty good. Yep. So average distance this uh, last four weeks has been 269 kilometres on the bike. It has been three hours 51 on the run and average swims per week twice a week. There you go. There you go. Doing a bit of zwifting by the look of it. Went around Richmond yesterday. Nice work. So Carl... Bonner from Team EN, you are our Wanger of the week. week. Okay, John, there's no real questions and answers, but I've got a pile of books here, John. Okay. Our listeners like writing books. Mm-hmm. And I've been giving Jim Flynn 
plenty of love. And so he sent us a book. Oh, yeah. He wrote us a note, Bevan, a new improved version. Now Coach John Newsom is spelt correctly. <laughs> nice. So that's right. Uh, there are still some typos, not the final edition, but it is free. I recommend that you start on page 154, the triathlon, Hawaii triathlon. You'll get some laughs. So we'll be checking that out. So it's a great cover here. Give, the, give us a name and the author. Jim uh, Flynn. And the book is Be Sincere Even When You Don't Mean It. I'll put links in the show notes before, but I'll do it again, Jim, just because. Well done. And then we've got Rob Cummings has done two books. I've heard that one of those before, but yep. Chasing Kona, from back of the pack smoker to racing Ironman World Championships in Kona. That's Rob Cummings. And then second book is Kona Secrets. Lessons learnt qualifying and racing at the Ironman World Championships with Rob Cummings. And here's a tip, John. Rob Smiland. Uh, learn how to race in training. Mm-hmm. There we go. Another tip is your nutrition choices. Uh, the rules of nutrition. There we go. It's a good little book. It's kind of a bit of a how-to book. So if you are looking to chase Kona or get the Kona secrets, or you just want to have a good novel, a good nighttime read with Jim Flynn. Nice. I'll put links to them in the show notes, and there's a copy here for you as well, John. Great. There we go. Uh, John, that's oh, about pretty much it for questions and answers. Patrons. John, you name the first one. Okie dokie, here we go. Uh, we have got James the Trawler Slade. We've got Mark Sledgehammer Stetler. And Neil Lord Flashheart Thompson. That's one of my favourite. Tom, 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 Thompson. Do you know Rick Mail's dead? No. That's sad, isn't it? Mm. I had a friend that recently. He died a few years ago. Mm. Rick Mail, for those in the, who don't know, is arguably one of the funniest people ever. And if you're from the UK, you'll know who he is, and maybe Australia, New Zealand, mm. maybe some American listeners. But basically, there was a programme in the 80s called The Young Ones, which when you go back and watch right now, there's some gold bits and there's some real rubbish bits. Yeah. But, but he was Vivian, wasn't No, he was, um, he would always say Vivian. What was his name? He was Rick, wasn't he? In the yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, brilliant. And then he went and did um, like uh, Bottom, Adrian Edmondson, just a funny, funny guy. Mm-hmm. But on Blackadder, which is arguably one of the greatest programs of all time, <laughs> yeah. it is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. If you haven't watched Blackadder, go back and watch it because it holds up, holds the test of time. He plays his character, Lord Flasher, and seriously, absolute comedy gold, so check it out. Anyway, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me, and it's pretty obvious, just become a patron and go through the process. We are going to be doing it. Have we got a date yet, John? Let's do it next week. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Okay, it's on. Okay, next week. Yeah, we're doing the draw. Or should we do it the first week of March? The first week of March. First week of March. Now, guys, part of the reason we like people to come patrons is it does help fund us to go to Kona every second year. So, if you like the Kona coverage and you want it to keep happening, make sure you sign up to become a patron. Get a chance to go over there as well. But that's a you know that's where a big chunk of the patrons' money goes is to get Bevan and I over to Kona every second year to get all those gold interviews before the race and particularly the ones uh, directly after the finish line. That's, I think some of the best work we do is when you get just multiple different finishes coming through, age groupers, pros. Sure, lots of people have good races, but you get some gold interviews for the people that didn't have good races as well. Yeah, good times, rock and roll. Um, and also, just support the show. You know, mm. which, you know, this is a part of your triathlon habit. We really appreciate the support. If you want to get show emailed to you, just go to the front page of www.imtalk.me. Down the bottom, put your information in. Uh, if you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. If you want to get my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. Other content, age groupers of the week, cool websites, other feedback, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goss? Uh, it was a bit of a triathlon weekend, to be honest. So down to tri- down to Wanaka. Well, so how'd they had the boy go. The boy went uh, yeah, mediocre, and as he, he so they had challenged Wanaka on Saturday. It's a big weekend of ra- weekend of racing for the organised. God knows how. So they have some Friday night still. No, so they had Thursday. They go the regional secondary schools try 
champs. Okay. Friday they have a massive kids race, um, which is like a Weetbix triathlon. They have like over a thousand kids racing. Oh, really? Saturday they do Challenge Wanaka, and then Sunday they had it was this year it was a New Zealand second New Zealand schools champs, which is high school, and they also include the last two years of what we call primary or intermediate school. And how many kids are racing in those races? Uh, not as many when it's down here because all the snobby North Islanders won't travel down. They okay. always expect us to travel to the North Island. Bloody snobby um, North Islanders. So I think they had two hundred and twenty odd entries across, across all the races. Okay. Um, so up to when Tom started maybe 30-odd in his race for okay. year 7 and 8, 30 or 40. Um, and, yeah, he had a, he's, a good, he's a good swimmer. Um, he's a good biker. He's not the greatest run. And then he had a bit of a crappy run, got a bit of stitch. Okay. So he was a bit upset. But he went, uh, went as hard as he could. And then they did a mixed team relay as well um, oh, cool. in the afternoon. So the kids all got two races, which was, which was good fun. Uh, and they were pretty serious about the mixed team relay. Uh, theirs ended up not being mixed. They just had an all-boys team. Um, but they were pretty fired up. And they got right? They, they, yeah, they did, they did good. He actually probably raced better there. But it's funny watching the kids that, that dropped their bottom lip a little bit in the individual race. But yep. when it came to the team race, it was they raced really really well because they couldn't let their mates the down uh, and they didn't have the hand tag like you do you see in the ITU they actually had to change the um, change the timing chip over okay. so that was oh, pressure really? time so you'd run in and you'd have to rip the velcro off the person who was standing there Around puffing the and painting put it on you and then you'd, you'd oh, head off and really? do yours so that was quite fun to watch as well so all in all it was, uh, it was good times um, did it give you the itch? No, not really. No, I don't get the itch when I'm not in shape. Um, it's when I've, yeah, so no, not really. But I, I think I'll probably go and race a half next year, I think. Um, one thing that did happen when we were down there, though, Bevan, is we're pulling into Wanaka Friday afternoon. I'd missed a call from an unidentified number just coming into Wanaka, and I was driving anyway, so I wasn't going to answer it because, you know, hey. driving. And, uh, uh, hey, I'm and good then a text that. message came, up, came through, and we just so pulled you, over. So you responded to the text? No. <laughs> Pulled over when uh, when we got into Wanaka and Belinda had to go and grab something from the shop, and I looked at it and <laughs> it was from the police, and uh, and they said yeah we just can you give us a call back on this number um, we've just got your father's car that's been stolen um, <laughs> and so I'd been borrowing my dad's car they'd been away last week oh so wait you had the car when it got I stolen I had the car and it'd been parked outside our house really and it'd been stolen and and. <laughs> And what had happened a couple of years ago as well is Belinda's dad had been babysitting at our place, parked the car outside, and we'd come home from being out. Dangerous area. And we said, where's your car? And he said, what do you mean? It's just outside. We said, no, it's not. His car had been stolen. And so both our parents' cars had been stolen from outside our house. And both of them... Just boy races? It just... Yeah, dipshits, yeah. yeah. And but my dad's car's a it's a piece of shit. And he's just driving it into the ground. My dad's in his eighties, yeah, so they just like they don't really hardly use it and I just use it because it's got a tow bar on it. And they've stolen that and it's pretty crappy. When you first go, it's this old Sabari Forester, I don't know, maybe two thousand and seven or something like that. When you go, there's this big shutter at the start, and then you're away and it's fine and it keeps going. Um, but they literally stole it and they'd driven about 500 metres up the hill and they Came ditched it and they stole another car because they probably thought this thing's not going to get us any bloody skids or anything. Oh, it's funny. So that was a bit crap. So boy races. Our, car, our, our car's been broken into twice outside our house. So you're going to St Martin's is a crap neighbourhood. Well, no, because I used to live in St Martin's as well and mine because my, my, we had flatmates in my house. Mm. Often the house, I just see cars parked on the street at, Mm. Looking for trouble, and uh, so the key for parking cars on the street is never leave anything in it. Mm. 
you know. Mm. And I did get a jersey get stolen last time that I really liked. Mm. And the thing about it is I bought it overseas, so no one in Christchurch has got it because it's a bit different. Yeah. So if I see someone wearing a jersey, <laughs> I know who stole my car. Nice. Yeah. So that was my weekend. Triathlon and cars being stolen. What did I get to, John? You know what I'm looking forward to? This weekend... On Sunday, probably it's going to be there at 5, 6 o'clock our time, which is great. Fury versus Wilder too. Are you into the boxing? I'm not into combat sports. Oh, I, I, take, I take an interest in boxing, cause, but, but other than that, got zero interest. Oh, uh, I like, I'm not, UFC's not my thing. Just never really got into it. I, I just don't like it when they go to the ground. It's a bit boring. Mm. Um, I'm sure you guys who love it get it, but I just kind of watch it. It doesn't really do it for me. But I do love heavyweight boxing, and especially right now, heavyweight boxing is back mm. you know and it's, and this weekend's fight oh i do find that guy entertaining um fury or wilder or joshua that's the great thing about now uh who's the crazy one from the uk well fury fury yeah yeah, yeah. he's pretty entertaining yeah it's gonna be and because did you watch the last fight no oh it was a, a fascinating fight so i'm some i'll get my boxing gloves on because when i watch boxer i put my boxing gloves yeah. on look out joe <laughs> yeah watch out Domestic violence. No, that would never happen in my life. Um, other than that, John, what did I do on the weekend? Nothing really. Got home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just life as we know it, John. Great. Look for some boxing. That's all. I wanted to get into a fight. When was the last time you had a fight? I was never a fighter. Have you ever had a fight? Not really. No. Not a, not a proper punch in the face several times. Fight. I once punched a guy called Jamie Austin at school. Mm. And but interesting as a rugby player, I was really aggressive. Mm. Like a, oh, it's aggro, mm. but and I hate a fight. Mm. But Jamie Austin kept bugging me, mm. so I just punched him. Yeah, and then in he stopped bugging me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got him good. Yeah, and then he never bugged me anymore. Good. Yeah. So that's that's the extent of my fighting keep career. Keep that distance between you and I. Oh, uh, mate, tell you. Yeah. Old angry Newsome. That's right, <laughs> angry Newsome. I'd hate to fight. I'd get my ass kicked. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Jeez. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick hard.